I'm Lissa Mia Smith. And I'm Anna Mercier. And you're listening to Turning to Story. As writers, we've experienced the triumphs and heartbreaks of the publishing industry, from endless rejection to dream book deals. Through it all, we've learned to embrace the one thing in this chaotic industry we can always control. Our craft. So it's like we haven't spoken in forever. Yeah, it's been a long time. How are you? Actually, screw that. We can talk about it again. Hi, you're doing really well, aren't you? (laughs) I'm in a groove in this book. You are in a groove and not just in a groove. You hit a milestone since the last time we put out an episode. Yes, I finished that draft. I got close to 50,000 words in under two weeks. Which in under two weeks. It was just like a magic that I wish I could repeat. For every future book, I'm not sure I'll be able to, but I like to think that all of our hard work paid off, that seven-layer plot dip, plus living a creative life, plus perseverance and thinking about all this stuff that I got through the the hard parts and got to where I could just coast. Yeah, it did it. Like, it was... I think we've talked about this a little bit in messages, but I think you hit that point with the first... Because the first half was a little bit slower for you. So slow, like record-breakingly slow. And I think that's because you were trying to do the thing that we're like kind of forced to do at all times with craft is learn something new with craft or learn several new things with craft while also working on something so you don't have time to, you know, really take it in. So you're just trying to apply it and then applying it slows you down and plus a million other things that we're going to talk about maybe today. <laughs> but then I think what, from an outside perspective, what proved true watching your progress is that it almost felt like you set up those dominoes. You did all that practice in the beginning mm-hmm. that by the time you trusted, you got your seven layer plot dip ironed out. It was just domino, 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 domino. Yes. And it's something that you have said, at least I think we've talked about on here, or at least have talked about privately, how, In the beginning of a book, there are so many directions the plot can take. Yes. And that there's some, when you figure out and make, so it it took me forever to make the right choices in the first Uh half to follow like the vision I had for the book, the vision my editor Mm -hmm. has for the book. Um, And we're starting it in a different place than the last rewrite, like a complete cutting quite a bit. So once I figured out the plot, I think it had fewer directions to go and it could go, it was downhill. It was just rolling. Yeah. Because when you say you want to take a character from the beginning of being, you know, a selfish space pirate to uh, a rebel fighting for the people, (laughs) that's a really big gap. And there are a million different ways you can get them there. Did you just Han Solo this? No. What? (laughs) What? No. What? Millennium Falcon who? (laughs) But I think there's just so many options that... It is daunting, that first half. And then that second half is very much like you've set everything up. And now... And there's now only I, certain ones. Yeah, and know. then you just kind of enjoy it. There's only so many directions I could go. And I took a week off, and now I am back. I'm not I'm not going to reread it all the way through because it's still very much in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know I went through some CP feedback, and I'm starting. I redid the first... Not redid, but I revised the first mm-hmm. three chapters, which felt really good. 
Nice. And those are probably some of the heavier revisions that the first half needs. It doesn't need as much. The second half is still very first draft, but the first half has been polished. So we'll see. Yay. Are you going to send that back half out to uh, people? Or are you keeping that and then revising? (laughs) I'm going to send it out, but first I'm going to get it good. You've had a good writing couple of weeks, too. You've been on a, a different sort of roll. Yeah. So I, like, took... After, so talking about working on a book for forever, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been working on the baking book since the dawn of time, the dawn of time. Uh, I think I look back and it was like 2020. Um, And then we did pitch wars with it and multiple CP revisions and then revisions with my agent and all of that. And then I received some feedback recently as of like October that I cried (laughs) because it was so true. Um, and I was not strong enough to do it. And then I finally found it. I finally found the strength and the joy in wanting to go back to it again. So I found merit. And the things that really gave me the merit to go back were Seven Layer Plot Dip. Ooh. All of the stuff that we've talked about. I finally had enough distance from the project plus all these craft tools. So kind of the opposite of your problem. <laughs> I was like, I gained all these craft tools now I can look at it with fresh eyes. And once I did that, I was like, well, shit. <laughs> I can do better, right? <laughs> I can do better. So I've been doing that and I just crushed act one. So Hey, good for yay, you. Yay, as of this weekend, it is done. Nice. So, woo. All right, 25% there. And that was fast. 25. That was yes, fast. Yes, it was very fast. So. <sighs> yeah. Publishing is hard sometimes. Writing is hard sometimes. <laughs> Writing is hard sometimes. Like, why... Um, I was joking with uh, one of our listeners, Emily, um, who, who we both were like kind of laughing like, um, yes, we're into self-improvement for our craft, but also can we take naps? When can, <laughs> when can we stop personal growth? Personal growth is exhausting. It is exhausting. At what point can we just write them and not think about them and just, yep. you know, get paid for them? <laughs> yep. When can I just poop out a book and be paid for it? Well, that'll never be us. I hate to break it to you, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Because we love the struggle. We love the struggle. Uh, Which is what reminded me during my revision, because once I started picking at it and once I got the emotional part out of the way, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember how much I love this. Good. I love how much the puzzle is the puzzle. Yeah. I say staring down at the ground. (laughs) It is a beautiful thing when you have a vision for it. And you know yes. how to do it, and you're in the process of doing it. It's like a very buzzy feeling. Yes. It's awesome. So it's a buzzy feeling of writing 50K in two weeks. Awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was me. Yes. That's <laughs> I was you. Like, wow, you did great. We both did great. <laughs> no, that's you. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But um, we'll report back because I'd love, I'd love to break through my slow process. Yes. <sighs> so what's today's topic? What do we have up for today? You alluded to it. Publishing is hard. Publishing and is hard. Yeah. It's, it can be soul crushing sometimes. So if you're in a place where your soul is a little crushed, um, we're going to talk about, I think, the ways publishing can crush you at every level and also some ways to help with that crushing, crushing feeling. Yeah, you and I have had several conversations about whether or not we should do an episode like this because we have tried to position this podcast as a place where we focus on craft 
and we don't get too negative about the industry because that's a useful thing to do at the right times, but we want to protect yes. like a safe space here. But we don't mm-hmm. want to be toxically positive. No. We don't want to ignore to the point that um, it's just fluff and it doesn't feel real. Exactly. Exactly. So our hope today is to kind of walk through, well, the the three horsemen of the apocalypse, a.k.a. publishing. <laughs> a.k.a. publishing. That title is so I good. Oh, if this isn't our most listened to episode, it people have be. no taste. It won't be. It won't be. Nothing. People, I, I can't predict what people will listen to. It's so funny, the numbers. I'm like... Well, Seven Layer Plot Dip by far number one, and that makes sense. That yes. makes sense. Everybody wants to plot a novel or check the plot yes. of their novel. It's it's an easy bite. But So Salsa hasn't taken off. <laughs> but So Salsa. I feel like people don't... They look at the title, they go, next? <laughs> nope. You're missing out, folks. You're missing out on You are. Salsa. You better get some of that salsa. <laughs> you better get some of that butzo. And also, as a reminder, I don't know that we've really gone into it in the last few episodes, but our newsletter really expands upon the things we talk about in here. Mm -hmm. And we really, we have visuals, we have funny visuals, and we have serious visuals. uh, And just try to, sometimes it's the conversation that we wish we had after that we get to continue. So turning to story.substack.com, it is free and hopefully will always be free for y'all. and so, yeah, have a if you're enjoying the podcast, then sign up for that once a week. We slide into your email, tell you what this episode's about, and continue the conversation. Yeah. Have a couple giggles. Have a couple giggles. Learn a couple things. Yeah. See a couple dogs. Cry a couple I tears. Know. I don't know. Who knows? A couple tears. Who knows? <laughs> There's always bodily fluids in our substack. <laughs> There's a, Edward's always there. Edward's always there. Fucking Edward. Always. Fucking Edward. Which is, I think, the person that we are going to be shitting on the most today. Because yes. publishing and everything we hate about publishing is going to be Edward's fault today. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have a scapegoat and Edward is ours. Yes. Yes. So... Piggybacking off of your like topic of toxic positivity, um, we turn to all things with craft. And I think the purpose of this episode is taking these things that we commonly face in writing and throughout the publishing process, the traditional publishing process. I think it's a very healthy thing to acknowledge the shit when it is shit yep. and do it in such a way that is productive venting right to be like this sucks but then also to say but there are ways that i can use this as a power rather than something that hurts me yes it can be more than something that just stabs me in the heart it can be something that i use a weapon i can make to make me stronger or whatever the same what we're calling three horsemen of the apocalypse aka publishing the same three beasts and probably others, but we're focusing on three, will come at you in every phase of this journey, and it sucks, and it hurts, and they are immortal. You cannot kill them. (laughs) They do not die. They do not die. They always come back. Yes. Which is really fucking depressing when we say it like that. Yes. However, you need to know what you're fighting, and if you can start the fight as early as you can, or wherever you are in this publishing journey... Uh then you have a better chance of getting them to disappear for a while. Exactly. If you can, if you're in the drafting phase or in the writing phase, you haven't even gotten to querying yet. If you can learn to handle some of these, some techniques to deal with these, then you can apply those techniques when you're 
sad that your Netflix deal got canceled. <laughs> and that's the same with folks in the trenches or folks in the sub yes. trenches or, uh, you know, folks in debut groups, whatever it is. If you can figure out how these three monsters appear to you and how we suggest you defeat them, figure out your own path to defeating them. Mm-hmm. When you get that next Netflix deal, baby, and someone else gets a bigger one, <laughs> you can still enjoy your Netflix deal. Yes. We are, we are, this is a way to keep the joy in writing. I love it. I'm continually imagining these monsters as different versions of Edward, but it's like not Edward from Twilight. It's just like some faceless monster that I've created in my brain. Uh, For this episode, I'm imagining Edward kind of like, he's like the devil behind the curtain here. Yes. Oh, yes. This isn't sparkly vampire Edward who listens to turning to story. (laughs) No, this is like, because it's fresh on the brain, this is the wizard from Wicked. Yeah. This pain in the ass charlatan Mm-hmm. Manipulator. Yep. Damn it, Edward. Kind of like Ursula in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to po- steal our voices. <laughs> <gasps> you poor unfortunate queriers and <laughs> submissioners and Netflix dealers. And so we're going to take Flotsam and Jetsam and we're going to throw them on their asses. Yes. Okay. So the first thing that I pulled is because I am... On a major Mark Manson, his two books, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And whoop, whoop, if you haven't read it, please read it. It's not everybody's cup of tea. He says the F word a lot. And he's very frank in his advice, which I could think some people, a lot of reviews online were like, this is so childish. And I'm like, that's kind of the point. It's very easy to digest. uh, Yes. And it's very blunt. So it's not for everyone, but it worked. It really was instrumental in turning around both of our publishing journeys, our attitudes towards our publishing journeys. Because we talk about that whole mindfulness thing, and his is a lot of like mindfulness, right, of recognizing things that are difficult in the world are difficult for you, and then how do you navigate those? Mm -hmm. So the quote that I pulled... bluntly, right? He says it bluntly. (laughs) You only have so many fucks to give in this world before you die, so don't waste your fucks on things that you... That's literally how the book opens, and you're like... You only have so many fucks to give before you die, so don't waste your fucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mindfulness. Um, Mindfulness. But your quote quote for today, I'm ready. So my quote is, who you are is defined by what you're willing to struggle for. And I think that is what defines writing. That what that's what defines this beautiful craft that we have all gathered here to like talk about, to learn about, to be a part of, is we are willing to struggle for this. And uh, to piggyback on this, he says the avoidance of suffering is suffering. So at any point, the writing journey is going to be difficult and to avoid that suffering, to blow it off and be like, ugh, well, you know, it was just that agent and that agent doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, you can say that ironically to be funny, but if you do that for every single rejection that comes your way and every single critique that you get back from other people, you're you're doing that not because – you're doing that to avoid suffering. That's a you're defense that so mechanism hurt. against the pain of not not having it perfect. Yes. And we get that, and it's a valid knee-jerk reaction to even constructive criticism, let alone more piercing or crushing criticism or critique. 
It's about getting past that in this example. Mm -hmm. Um, So as writers, we signed up for suffering uh, and not the, you know, feel your feelings because then you could channel it into your art. But no, getting feedback on your art really sucks at times. uh, And feeling inadequate in what you do really sucks sometimes. And frankly, speaking from experience, taking a good idea and having to write it and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. And like really sucks sometimes and it makes you think you can't do this. You can't do it. Or that you broke it. Yes. Or that you've never written a word before in your life and you were broken. But we both really ascribe to the idea that there is growth in pain. Yes. These are muscles that we're flexing and straining and fortifying. Yes. Yeah. And I think... The, the fortifying, strengthening muscles, that was for me querying. Um, I will, since I dragged the people who can complain <laughs> about rejections, I will now drag myself. I didn't even query a lot of my books or I would query them for like a week or two and be like, they're not ready. And then I would pull them. And yes, it's... <laughs> you would really pull them? Would you email yeah. agents? And I wouldn't them? email the agent. I would just stop. I would just be like, I'm done now. I'm done querying. I because... Yeah. <laughs> your face, you're so yeah. serious right now. I am, because it's real. And I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, now, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. But looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was me wanting to not hurt myself. But it was like I knew I knew I wasn't ready. I knew the book wasn't ready. It wasn't at that level yet. But then I think there were some books that it was like, it was there, and mm-hmm. I should have done it. But I was avoiding that suffering. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I quote unquote, delayed my journey or whatever, you know, like I, instead of getting that experiencing in the query trenches, I didn't. And then I had to experience it later. So I'm still suffering during that. I'm still sad that I'm not querying like all my friends or whatever. So your effort to avoid the pain of querying ended up causing other pain anyways. Yes, exactly. So. So I think what we're hoping to do today is go through the various stages of yeah. stages is a funny word T- twists and turns in publishing yeah, yeah. Uh, across the-, the candy land game that is publishing <laughs> we're gonna go through the the candy the, i don't know the, the, or, or the monopoly the, yes the lollipop <laughs> that is drafting yeah <laughs> i don't know no. Uh, but we will talk about these three horsemen, which maybe we should do first. Yeah. And then apply them to the various stages. And also, I, I think there are some hard truths that we're going to have listed in our newsletter this week yeah. uh, about publishing that hurt to hear. And will, but also in accepting them and grappling with them now, we'll set you up for success later. You can turn them into armor. Yep. So we are going to um, say some things out loud that suck to say. <laughs> yeah, they hurt. They hurt. Bad. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'll cry for you on this podcast. This episode is a microcosm of pain equals yes. gross. <laughs> so, so let us hurt you. Stay, turn on your emo tuned. music. <laughs> let us hurt you. <laughs> Especially you, Edward. You, Edward. Your time has come, <laughs> asshole. Um, so this is purely my bullshit. I sat down and I thought about it. And I was like, okay, what do all the stages of publishing and writing traditional publishing have in common? What are the things that no matter what, you are going to face them and it's going to suck and you need to prepare for it? I'm ready. Imposter syndrome, comparison, and loneliness. Ooh, 
you did it. I think there's more, but those are the three main that I could come up with. It's almost like primary emotions where there's probably a million emotions, but there's six or seven debated in the field that all that the other ones are composites and conglomerates of. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that these, I let's put forth a theory that these three horsemen of the publishing apocalypse, uh, all other pain and suffering is some combination or like branch off of these. Yes. So it's tied to one of these or two of these somehow. It's like a hydra. They're all together. (laughs) Immortal hydra. Immortal hydra. So let's start with imposter syndrome. Yeah. So imposter syndrome during like the writing it phase. So you're not not yet ready to either query this or put this on submission or hand this in to whomever you're handing it into. It's just you and an idea. Now there's a beautiful thing that can happen in this phase when there is no imposter syndrome or comparison. Uh, and I think it can exist with loneliness, but we'll see. Yeah. Do, have you ever experienced like, this is my favorite part of drafting or like revising in a bubble when no one has seen it yet. And you're like, this is the most brilliant thing. You're like ever been written. I'm gonna win an award for this <laughs> once somebody actually lays eyes on it. This is gorgeous are and wonderful. Think I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> no one's read a word, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> this plot twist is so great. It is my favorite part of this phase, like the idea phase. Really, like, this yes. is the most brilliant thing to ever be brilliant.ed <laughs> And because you have no feedback yet, like, you're unstoppable. <laughs> yes, yes. You are quite literally throwing shit at the wall and you're like, I'm a genius! <laughs> and I think that's really important for creativity. Yes. I think this is part of, like, taking the, your own handcuffs off and just letting yourself dream big mm-hmm. and dig into it. And, like, I've had that with this. I had a bit of that today because I, like, revised these. I, you know, I'm obsessed with my prologue. I feel really good about the prologue. And then I, re- oh, like, so good. redid my opening chapter, and I have a whole vision for how I'm going to change this book again. And I'm just, like, walking Nessie, and I'm thinking, I'm listening to emo music, and I'm just, like, punching the air. And I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I look like a fucking lunatic, but it's brilliant. <laughs> right? You're walking, and you, like, make the face that you're like, yes, they're going to fucking love when I get this stuff, they're gonna be like, this is the best. Anybody People driving like, by might be like, oh, that lady's crazy, but one day they'll be like, I spotted Lissa Mia Smith after she wrote Untitled Book 2. She was picking up her dog shit <laughs> while drafting that opening chapter that Daniels. So I do think this allows us to do, we're laughing because it's so true, right? Like, you know, this like, delirium that can happen when you're still in that wonderful creative bubble yes Yes. so what pops that bubble imposter syndrome for me when i'm drafting the imposter syndrome is uh i know how my favorite writers write and what they make me feel and when my book is not doing the thing that i wanted to do in that first draft especially then I'm like, I'll never be good enough. It's a really hard thing. And something I've had to do to perfect, like try to protect against that is I really can't read and draft at the same time. Yes. I hate it. Even if I've tried audiobooks and like just to switch it up so I'm not looking at words. But one, I worry about yeah. 
accidental plagiarism. Yes. Like I'm very spongy, um, even for ideas uh-huh. when I'm drafting, uh-huh. um, very susceptible. And I just fear that I am. I don't know that I actually, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I'll pull. I know, I know for a fact that I will have some phrase, like some like little tiny part of a phrase, not even a full sentence. It's just like some turn of phrase that I'm like, that's gorgeous. I'm so good at it. And then I pick up the book I'm reading. I'm like, son of a bitch. (laughs) Or even like, it'll have, I don't know, like rainbow dragons. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then I'm like, and then a rainbow dragon. No, what are you doing here? This isn't even a fantasy book. I'm writing a horror novel in the 1920s. It's a realistic horror novel. Rainbow dragons. So that's part of it. But the other thing is I know that it really like burns against my defenses when I'm yes. reading something that's really, really good as most published books are. Yes. And I'm writing a shit draft. Yes. I will compare my shit draft to a final published novel mm-hmm. of somebody who's been writing for decades. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And had eight editors and yes. copy oh editors. Oh, my God. And Yeah. Yeah. It's also yeah. for me, imposter syndrome comes in even again, like I'm a very slow drafter. This 50K in two weeks was like a mm-hmm. freaking miracle. I don't know if I could repeat. I like blacked out and woke up with right. words. So I get very jealous and envious of fast drafters or yeah. authors who pump out a book a year. Uh, right. And I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Why? Why yeah. is it like this for me? Right. Because then that, I don't know if you get the thing that's comes into question, which is like, am I broken? Mm-hmm. Am I not meant for this? Do I not have the chops that they have? Right. Mm-hmm. Even good mm-hmm. ideas, sometimes seeing good ideas. And it's easy to be like, oh, that's a really high concept, buzzy yeah. idea. Why didn't I think of a high concept, buzzy idea? But my, you know, when my idea isn't even like on the page yet. Yes. It's just a little Pinterest board. <laughs> and you're like, but, but you're comparing apples to oranges. Well, you use the magic word there, which I guess we're both doing here, comparing. Yes. Highly yeah. related to imposter syndrome, but a yes. different beast in the publishing apocalypse. Yes. Yes. And I think for me, I feel like it's comparison that leads to the imposter syndrome and drafting. I feel like comparison turns into a mega beast whenever we go into querying and submission land and publishing land. I feel like it definitely takes off and is like it becomes one of the stronger of the three monsters Mm -hmm. because there are so many different variables. So I feel like it feels drafting. It feels the imposter syndrome of drafting for me more than it does comparing myself to other people Mm -hmm. because I'm just in my own little zone writing. I'm comparing my writing. That's about it. And there's not yet objective data. Bingo. That allows you to compare very objectively who's getting what and when and how long and how much. Which yes. we will get into as we go through the phases. Yeah. Uh, but totally comparison. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. uh, it starts as an itty bitty beast and then it grows very quickly. Yes. And I think the biggest thing there is drafting, and this is like drafting into querying, is that loneliness, mm-hmm. right? I think especially drafting, trying to get feedback. We've talked about you and I being in pitch wars and like having that blessed feedback, mm-hmm. like that very privileged chance of feedback from industry professionals. It's really hard. It's really hard to find critique partners these days. It's really hard to connect. Um, Drafting is also just you and a page wrestling for weeks Mm -hmm. and months, even years. And that can be, that can be lonely. Like that can be like, you know, you're the only person who knows these people Mm -hmm. in your book and 
it's you against the world. <laughs> it's the blessing and the curse because, again, yes. it allows that bubble of um, delusions of grandeur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which <yes>. feels good. <laughs> but then it makes you very sensitive to when you have to, you know, before you put your book on the next level, you have to face the music. You need eyes on your book. You yes. At some point, like you were saying, at some point you have to reach out, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we can get a little bit into – advice like ways to handle this and i think we can just trickle that throughout this episode is like ways to handle these things yeah so i feel like the loneliness aspect is one that you can handle by reaching out join some discords um join our Substack, not mm -hmm. to pitch our Substack, but join Substacks of places that you enjoy um reach out on instagram via uh challenges like the gift uh, the aesthetic challenges or whatever um seek out critique partners at forums talk to other people about writing if you like something they're writing you know find ways to build that community find that community because mm -hmm. at some point you are going to have to share and it's something that's been helpful for me is doing group sprints um, mm. like on and off sometimes it slows me down sometimes it really gets me going yeah but one thing my writing slack has done over the years is we'll do if we're having trouble like on a night where people are writing or whatever it is that people are writing we'll do like hey after this 30 minutes everyone's going to share snippets or write something you're proud of because then you're going to pull it out of your draft even if it's a sentence or a word or a whole I page love it. Like, yeah we're going to share snippets and we reward ourselves and everybody just pounds those snippets with praise and oh i love that <laughs> or maybe or maybe hey we gotta have a little something saucy in this sad sad episode but it, it it's a helpful way to both stay connected to other people yeah. to be accountable for your words and also to get like little very safe positivity about what you're producing which i think helps the comparison thing mm -hmm. because then you can stop or not you know prevent yourself from seeing people as competition mm -hmm. and feel the support you know like one of the things, totally different yeah yeah one, one of the things that it really has taught me over the years is like I th there's like 20 of us in there and we're from pitch wars 2020 yes no that mm -hmm. was two, no 2018 sorry wow it's been a wow. while <laughs> we know there are people in there who like you know, we're work going through infertility who now have five-year-olds. Like, it just throws us off. Yeah. Um, but there's a point to this. There's a point to this. Oh, yes. When we do share snippets, et cetera, there are, you know, some people are sprinting more than others, and there's someone who sprints more rarely. But when they do, I'm like, this is someone who is not yet agented, and it's one of those people where I'm like, this is the biggest crime against humanity that this person uh -huh. is not, like, uh -huh. a multi-million dollar, like, yeah getting the recognition that they deserve but when right. they share snippets i'm like holy fucking shit rachel is the most talented person on the planet uh -huh. <laughs> we do not deserve her what is why doesn't she right. have an agent yet and right. it's just a very good reminder that like wherever we are in our journeys there's some real talent there yes that it is not yes. a measure the the where you are in this Candyland hellboard is not um there is no winning. <laughs> there is no yes. finish line in publishing. Yes. So people can be at different phases and have a hell of a lot more skills than people, quote unquote, ahead. Right. I feel like that's a natural, because I have some things to help with um, mindfulness, like uh, with, to help with that imposter syndrome in comparison. But I think a lot of it has more to do with the next stages of the publishing so Candyland game. Should we dive into the next stages? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's face these beasts. 
The worst so one. Yeah. What do you think the worst one is? The worst stage of publishing that I have experienced yet is querying. Yes. And I do not wish it upon my worst enemy, but I also wish it upon my best friend because I want their books on the shelf. <laughs> so I would querying. be it would be it hard sucks. to convince me that querying is not the worst. No. And people a, try and I get really mad. Like I yeah. It's a thing people do. They used to do it on Twitter occasionally. Like, oh, well, you know, if you think querying is bad, then you're never going to be able to handle the submission trenches. Like, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. You it's have like suffering that. porn. No. <laughs> this isn't I don't suffering. need you to suffer more than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But it's also like elitist. It's like punching yeah. down in that way. Like, you have what I'm trying to get. And you're telling yes. me, oh, if you can't handle the pain of trying to get this, then you won't yeah. be able to handle this. Like, shut up. Shut up. I think you made a, an analogy to it, which I think is beautiful. Is like trying out for a basketball yes. game. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, you have no idea how much work we have to do because we're on the team. Be lucky you're not wearing a jersey. Exactly. It's like, fuck like, you. You were the, this is what I'm doing all this hard work for. Yeah. You don't get to tell the people trying out. Yeah. That, like, you'll, they'll work even harder later. They're, they don't care. They want this. No. <sighs> no. So the Ugh. the thing that later phases have that queriers don't have is external validation. Yes. Getting an offer gives you external validation that someone yes. who is paid <laughs> to be in publishing, someone who makes a career out of this, a professional, yes. could see your words on the shelf. Yes. And they... You immediately, once you have an offer in querying, you realize how quickly agents will pay attention. You have mm-hmm. lots of things happening in your inbox. You get lots of feedback from your agent. Like, it's a different game from that point on. This is like, we have talked about this. I can remember vividly when you got your offer. And it's like my favorite. Uh-huh. It's like sometimes, you know, people tell you they're getting married or they're pregnant or whatever. And you have like, I try to give very little advice in life that's unsolicited, uh-huh. but I'll always like keep one little thing in my brain if I let one slip. And this is when people get their first agent offer. My one little thing is sit back and watch how they all change their tune. And it, it's so, I didn't, I almost didn't believe you. And then it started happening and I was like, whoa. I just remember sitting at my counter, like with my little laptop, laughing as I was sending out the nudges. Because here are people that for years didn't respond. Yeah. For years. Didn't for years. Respond. No, no response. Like now, nothing. Now they respond same day, same hour. Yes. With a personalized response. But hi. And I'm like, you're a human who exists, who sees wow. these emails coming in. Right? You're not, yeah. it's not just going to a void. You are not just a void. You're an agent. You're a person. But queering is a void. It's a void. An absolute void. And I think that that void and places where we have voids. So I think querying is a void. I think submission is a void. I think sending your book out to readers is a void Mm -hmm. in some respects. I think we have these like chambers almost where we're just shooting stuff out there and we have no control and we don't know. You know, I think you get more feedback with readers, but really don't look at Goodreads. Don't touch it. Um, but it's no, still it's, a void. Yeah. <laughs> it's a void. <laughs> it's a void where you're like, I guess it's doing well. Good luck, baby. Yeah, it's sort of like 
It's sort of like in Willy Wonka where they're going through that thing and everything's spinning and colorful and there's a lot happening. Yes. So it's not a black void anymore. It's very <laughs> colorful. It's on an acid trip void. It's an acid there's trip no void. There's no earthly way yeah. of knowing. And you're not sure if you get tagged in a review, especially like I'm fortunate enough to have foreign language deals, so I'll get tagged in like a different language. And on Instagram, you can click the little like, be like a beautiful picture of Ravel and someone's like in cosplay and it's all in Polish. So I'm like, I have no idea what this says. Click translate. I hated this book three out of ten i'm like it's like a jump scare you never know yeah. what you're gonna get like why did you cosplay if you why why did you put money on this thing culture. that you despise I, I don't understand and i'm like i can't reshare this gorgeous picture because then i'm asking people to read this negative review point being it's like an acid trip and not a black void yes. and you don't know what's gonna kill you and what's gonna make you feel like a million bucks um <laughs> So right. I just try to avoid it at all costs. I love it. Good. That's what you should do. That's a, that is a piece of advice for all three horsemen at that, <laughs> at that later phase, which we'll get to. But Ugh. sticking to the querying trenches, what do you think triggers imposter syndrome during the query trenches? The lack of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it has been trending that you receive less and less feedback, even form rejections. And then... Imposter syndrome is, so I'm not getting any data mm-hmm. at all um, when I think I should be getting data, which is not true. Um, then imposter syndrome can be, can even swing wildly to you're getting requests and you think I don't deserve these requests. They're mm-hmm. lying to me. These people are just being nice. They're pity. That was my big thing. Oh, wow. People are being nice. They're pitying me. Um, I swung to that extreme. See, for, um, for me, I wouldn't go there, but I would have been like, I'd get a request and I'd have that elation and uh-huh. then 24 hours would pass and I'd be like, oh, fuck. Yes. It's been 24 hours. This was, they, yes. they definitely peered at the pages and realized like, yes. oh, this is shit. Making and, those quantum, like mm-hmm. making numbers out of nothing, yep. making data out of nothing because you're in a void. And you're filling that void. Yes. I don't, What? who did I think I was submitting this? And it's like, yes, I think it's such a, at least again, speaking from my own delusions of grandeur is my experience in drafting and crafting and revising. It's such a contrast from that bubble of pure bliss and craft and this, yes. the, the potential Sort of like how we talked earlier that a story can go in so many different directions, but the longer it's out there, there are fewer paths to take. Yes. Same with your story as an author. Like when you put something in the query trenches, when you put something out there, it can go in so many different directions. Yes. But when nothing happens, those directions start to narrow in your mind. Yes. Those paths to success yeah. start to feel that very disaster. quickly. Yeah. That you are no longer, you know, people aren't taking your picture as you walk your dog and pick up shit. And there's little man smell. <laughs> <laughs> you start to regret thinking that people are going to be taking pictures of you picking up your dog shit thinking it's a genius Because certainly if your query and pages were that strong, yes. they would answer right away, right? Yes, like that's the, surely. the self-fulfilling logical yes. shit that we put ourselves through. Yes. Because we convince ourselves that querying and writing is based on merit, mm-hmm. and it is not based on merit at all. No. It's which not one? based on sentence structure. It's not based on beautiful writing. It is not based on that at all. No, which we'll, we'll get to in a hard truth to sum up querying yes. shortly. Um, comparison in the query trenches, I think, is the worst. The worst for me. The worst. Yeah. 
that's where that's where it got really hard. So we all know, right? We all know yeah. those people who got their agent within 24 hours of querying or... Good for you. Ooh, ooh, yay, we're so happy for you. We're so happy. I mean, we're so more bitter than we are. I, I am happy. I've gotten to a place where I am happy. Yes. I am happy when it goes really smoothly for people, especially for like yeah. marginalized voices and people who yes. have shit against them, which is another thing we'll get into shortly. Um, but it can be really daunting when you're querying and you're scrolling by descriptions of how people got their agents so fast that it was so easy. And it's just like kind of reeks of my book is so great they couldn't help themselves. Yes. Which in turn means my book is shit. Which so everyone can help themselves. <laughs> mine has been out in the query trenches for three months and I haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not true. And I think like, even though, even though we do sound bitter, um, jokingly bitter, I think part of what I settled on with ways to help with this is that it is okay to have those feelings. Like you, you, it's normal to have those feelings. It's normal to have that for your best friend to be like, I'm so fucking happy for you. You can have that feeling for a minute. That's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to recover from that feeling. You have to process that feeling. Yes. You have to say, okay, I understand where that's coming from. And that is coming from a place of insecurity and not from my lack of joy for my friend. And that's okay. And that's, that's okay. okay. You could it. both be happy for someone and miserable for yourself at the same yes. time. You could want what yes. they have so much it hurts. Exactly. Defending against this for me is was sort of like the longer that I've been at this and the longer, I mean, I was in and out of the trenches for years. I would see people skyrocket to what I perceived as the top. Uh huh. And then someone else skyrocket in front of them and then they'd fall back. And then, like, I realized this is really not a race. Like, this is a loop de loop. Like, I say it to you often. Like, well, I haven't put it in quite these strategic terms as they're coming to me now. So I'll say it to you now. I'm ready. I know you're brilliant. Like, okay. I know that you are a brilliant writer. Okay. And I know. Whatever your book is, yeah. whether it's this book or the next or the one after uh-huh. that, it's going to be fucking huge. Okay. So I'm getting in with you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting like hot. You think like, I'm really? I'm flushing. <laughs> Thanks. Hi. Oh, that kind. <laughs> no, I'm also getting hot. <laughs> it's really a turn on, right? I give you compliments. I wish I could do the Jack Black eyebrow thing, but I you can't. do a good eyebrow. I can just it do made the one me blush eyebrow. a little. <laughs> That's good. Point being, like I am so aware that this is not a race. So yes, I have a, I have a book out right now, and you don't yet yeah. have a book out. I but when your book makes it, no one gives a shit. No one's like, oh well, this is a better writer because hers was first. They'll be like, oh Anna Mercier, the author of All We Hunger For, like holy yes. shit. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, I know her. I know her. I know we have her. a podcast together. <laughs> and we do a podcast and it's great. But do you see my but point? I, and that could be true for, I have friends who have been in the trenches for years. Yes. And, like my heart breaks for them. And I just always want to just be like, it doesn't matter when. It's like, yes, it's like other big things in life, like fucking weddings for people who get married. It doesn't matter yes. when, it's who. <laughs> and, it, yes. It is not about the event. It is about the journey. And it is, and it could, that, that event can happen in a heartbeat. It can happen mm-hmm. tonight. It could happen tomorrow morning. And I think consistently putting yourself out there for the hope that is when, mm-hmm. right? Not if, when. And we talk about how like, 
I used to roll my eyes at it where it was like, ugh, the people who just show up again and again and again, those are the people that are going to make it. And I used to be like, yeah, that's just what people at the top tell the people at the bottom. <laughs> but I think there is a level of truth to it. I'm not going to say it's entirely true, but I think there's a level of truth that if you just keep working and you keep learning and you keep your heart in the right place with this, you're going to get there. It is an if, not a when. There's nothing to say, yeah, just because somebody's book got there first, just because somebody got an agent first, just because somebody got a Netflix deal first, means shit. 2024 versus 2029, it doesn't matter when your dreams come true because they've Literally not. Yes. And the only guarantee that we have is that if we quit, they don't. Yes. If you avoid suffering, you will suffer. So if you avoid going for your dreams, the cost is... You don't get your dreams. Trenches be lonely too. (laughs) Yeah. For me, I think that's related to comparison in a way because like, and again, for people who've been out there a while, if you have friends who, you know, feel ahead, quote unquote, of you, it can be extra hard to feel like you have community to talk to. Um, There can be some shame in how long you're in the trenches or the little that's happening. I'd love to say rejections, but these days we know it's mostly nothing. It's mostly silence. Yeah. It's really that, I think that's where that, that loneliness can reinforce imposter syndrome sometimes because we, I did the thing where I pulled way back when I was querying. I pulled way back from other people. I pulled way back from sharing on social media. I pulled way back from community because I was so afraid of the embarrassment of when I would fail you know, and Mm. listen to those words when I would fail. And it's not failure. And I think that's something that I've learned at this point is like, while I'm on, I'm on submission right now. And even if I get passes, that is not a failure. And I can share that with other people. I don't have to be embarrassed by anything because publishing is shit. It's hard. Publishing is shit. And it's not as personal as it feels. Exactly. Exactly. So here's some hard truths about querying. Oh, fuck. I know. Let's do it. Let's just rip off these band-aids. Number one, good writing is not enough. Nope. I had this fantasy that if I could just be the best writer and have the best query and put out the best pages, or like even as someone who tries to help other people, like to do this with other people and help make sure their submission package is fucking perfect. And I know in my heart of hearts, it's not enough. No. Being, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. You have it. I think you have the link um, that our good, good friend, Emily Taylor, who is going to be on this podcast one day. Who is going to address exactly what will make it enough, by the way. We're going yes. to talk about the big idea. The big idea. She linked a uh, TikTok from a ghostwriter, and it was addressing the cave- the thing that people say where it's like, ugh, I'm a better writer than Stephanie Meyer. And I raise your hand if you've thought that at some point. Everybody listening better raise their hand. <laughs> I didn't think I never thought I was better than Stephanie Meyer. Oh, see, I did. Really? I'll be petty. Yeah, I was I like, never... this is. I didn't hate. I didn't hate her, but it was like reading. It was like this is so basic. I could do this. Rereading do this. her, yes, but reading her, I was just so. I was so sucked I in. Know. I was so <laughs> I sucked in when. I, when I read the criticism of her, I was like, really? People didn't like that? <laughs> I had the veil pull not, pulled off of my eyes whenever I went to the Breaking Dawn Midnight release and got oh, that I was book. There. And then I was like, this is not 
good. Oh, that's right. You've told me. I have it. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, sorry. I was at the movie release. I read them all in like Oh, one no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I read, I went to the book release and we got home and I was like looking like my friend and I were reading and I would look up at her and she would look up at me every now and then and then we'd go back to reading. And then finally I looked up and I went, this is not good. And she's like, this is not good. I hate this. Let's go <laughs> oh, to bed. That's so sad. <laughs> no. But like, so what the ghostwriter addresses is anybody who has those thoughts, it's the same thing as the E.L. James, right? Mm-hmm. I've had them about E.L. James. Yeah, 50 Shades right. of Grey. So, I was like yes. distracted by the sentence structure. By how bad it is. But, but total mad respect for the fact that I still needed to know what happened. Yes. That, and was invested. Yeah. That is what the ghostwriter talks about, this person. Um, I wish I knew their name. Um, but we'll link it. Um, we'll link it in the Substack. But she was like, if anything, Stephanie Meyer is doing something phenomenal by not being a great prose writer and selling billions of copies and keeping you turning pages. So, mm-hmm. sorry. It's not your beautiful sentences because I was the same. Beautiful sentences will make me a bestseller. No, they won't. No, they won't. No, and even cool ideas aren't enough. It's there's some things that hit this perfect marketability um, Mm -hmm. in like this very specific way that once after it's done, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, and you can kind of study it. But it's a little bit of luck, and it's a little bit of listen to our future episode with Emily Taylor because she has a background in she's a genius. She's a freaking genius. She she really is a genius. Where you take a picture of her picking up. The shit her dog has, and you're like, yep, done. <laughs> I knew her when. <laughs> yeah, Emily Taylor has a background. We'll get into this when we have her on here, but as a creative director of advertising agencies, and she, and, and so part of that means she was constantly pitching to really big businesses. And as a woman, a woman in advertising, no less, like she had to really know her shit because it's a very male dominated field. And so she talked to us a little bit about the, what makes an idea sparkle right from the start. And how you can tell when someone is presenting, when you are presenting an idea rather to other people, how you can tell if you have something that gives them grabby hands almost immediately. So we're going to have her on to talk about that because it's really useful. Because if there's like truly possibly the best advice um, for people who are about to write a book is to make sure it's a grabby idea. Yes. And then the quality of the writing, yeah, matters far less than we would like it to because that can be taught. But a grabby idea is rare. And all of this is to say, when I say good writing isn't enough, that means this isn't personal. That for agents, this is a business and a painful one for us, for sure. Yes. But they could really love your writing or not even read your writing because Mm -hmm. as soon as they hear the idea... They don't know exactly how to sell it. Another a thing to help with this in querying and submission, um, I have found, especially when my validation is coming from an external source, like my work is now being reviewed by other people and it's up to them, yes or no. I reward myself for uh, passes, rejections, and for good news. Mm-hmm. And I think you by doing that, you're celebrating the here and now. And this is my big way of defeating imposter syndrome. Um, Imposter syndrome is all about mindfulness for me. So it is saying, okay, shut up about everything else outside of my own head. Where am I at now? And let me celebrate how far I have come Mm -hmm. and celebrate the fact that you are putting anything out into the world because um, you have already beaten a huge number of people on the planet who have written something and never queried it. Mm-hmm. 
you are already closer to being having a book on the shelf than billions of people. It combats imposter syndrome in a way, just doing yes. it, like and rewarding yourself yeah. and recognizing it's a hard thing to do. Yes. Uh, and as we go into the sub, into sub, which we'll do in a second, you'll see that there are layers to what goes into those rejections, those passes that really have nothing to do with you. They're actually that. more about agent limitations than author ones. Yes. Um, and so once you see that, like once I was on the other side of it, it really took the sting out of it for me. Because so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, so much of agenting is hand selling. Yes. It's saying, yes. oh, I work really closely with this person and this big idea that came across my desk and this writing style, I feel pretty confident that this person would want it. And that's yeah. that's money in the bank. So let me have a call with this yeah. author and see if this goes. Exactly. Uh, and that's not personal because you could have, we've said this before and it's painful and we mean it, like you could have the the next big book sitting in your desk on your laptop it could be the best book ever written objectively by some standard that doesn't exist and you could not get an agent exactly because it's not the big idea yeah it's not the big idea it's not hitting the right agent at the right time it's not the market for it so just keep going yep submission oh well maybe we should take a moment to acknowledge the fact that everything we're talking about is like hard we're talking yes. about it as hard for two white women. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> to, we could go through the list of marginalizations that don't apply to Anna and I. Um, yeah. If y'all have been listening, then you already probably know most you of know these. You know us. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's so hard to point to these things because we are in no way qualified to speak to how fucking hard all of this is. Right. For marginalized authors. But we would be remiss to not at least mention that we know, like we don't know how yeah. bad, but we know it's bad. Yeah, I know looking at book talk and I know looking at my shelf, not my shelf, but like shelves out there, Barnes and Noble shelves, I see what is in the vast majority of representation. And that automatically makes my path a privileged path, mm-hmm. right? And I I see that. So like I, I know how hard querying was like a mental and emotional journey for me adding on the fact that the industry is so blase with diversity and Mm -hmm. representation is like, are you fucking kidding me? And when you look at the data, which we'll link in the sub stack, but when you look at the data for the, like, which main characters are white (sighs) versus other ethnicities, other races, it's still so predominantly white. But yeah, no, every time I look at that infograph and it doesn't change a huge percentage, I'm like, is this the same infograph from like last year? No, and it feels like it's 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 the same one. And so it's like we talk about these things and we talk about, you know, in the query trenches, the number of agents who know that they could sell. And let's say it's I'm making up this number, but it's probably not far. But like, let's say it's like 80 percent white. Yeah. Uh, 80 percent straight. Mm hmm. Uh, insert you know disenfranchised status here here's we have these fantasy i only have one i only have one sorry i already represent something just like this because you represent a chinese fantasy um sorry we love this but we already have something very similar coming out oh that's right because there can only be one queer book in a lineup but yes so we are talking you and i are we write ya fantasy romance romantic fantasy romantic whatever you want to call it um, very romantic books that are feature het couples yes. right now. The ones that yes. we have out are, you know, the main couples het. Uh, 
and the main characters are white. And so mm-hmm. 80% of books that are published look like these, and that gives us a hell of an advantage. Yep. So when we think of imposter syndrome, comparison, loneliness, and shit in the trenches, we just have to, like, pour some out. Yes. <laughs> For our marginalized listeners. Yes. We're sorry. This sucks. I'm s- it sucks. And I think it came up like it came up for us. There was a few times in this conversation we almost went there, but I think as we move into submission, that's when I feel it the most. I really do as well. So, I really do as well. So something to just a lens to keep in mind as we as we continue. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Okay. So sub. So sub, hi, welcome, I'm here. So you have defeated them in the query trenches. You have made it, you have comparison games behind you. You have struggled through your ideas and recognize that it's not personal when agents pass. You have owned that feedback and figured out the things that you can learn from. You have leveled up your craft. You have stopped comparing. Comparison is a thief of joy. You have your community. You are feeling good. I'm so wise. You sign with your agent. Ooh. You revise and you go yeah. to the submission trenches. <gasps> I hate it here. Guess what's back to knock you on your ass? Fucking imposter syndrome, comparison, and loneliness. The three horsemen of the Those publishing apocalypse. <laughs> they are immortal. <laughs> they have returned. <laughs> they have returned from the grave. So if only we had someone who was in the sub trenches who could speak from experience here. Yeah. Oh, Anybody wait. here? Anybody here? It's me. Wait. Do you want to talk about I'm it? The problem. It's me. Oh, it's it's me. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Uh, okay. So imposter syndrome came out wicked hard as soon as I got an agent and then going on submission. So it's that little voice in my head when I was querying that was like, who do I deserve this? But then the same thing with being on submission, having an agent is like, who am I to be this person to send this out? It's not good enough. It's not good enough. I've read the work of my other people. Like this is comparison, imposter syndrome working together, right? Where it's like, I've read other people's works. I've read other YA fantasies going out right now. And holy shit, if they're not getting an agent, then I definitely don't stand a chance because I'm not good enough. And yeah, that never stops. It never stops. It can you can defeat these horsemen in in smaller ways, but it's a rough one. Um, yes, I know. For me, it was really hard for me to get over the fact that I was actually ready for sub. Like that, my agent actually felt like I was ready. For sub. <laughs> that's again. That's where I was like, they pity me. Right. They're tired of revising. Or they're just taking a shot in the dark here. They don't actually yeah. think that it's ready for for sub. Exactly. Um. So imposter syndrome that way and comparison. Uh, so bad from this point on it just gets so bad worse that's the it's not quite the imposter syndrome that's killing me it is the comparison that is killing me because once again i find myself reaching for fucking data that doesn't exist and isn't true to my circumstances but i need numbers because numbers will keep me safe so reaching for data like how long did it take you like that sort of data oh my god how long did it take you on submission how many rounds did you go out before you went on before you pulled your book or how many rounds did you do before somebody gave you an offer or how many agents did you go out in your first round and it wasn't coming from a place of curiosity i know myself well enough to know when i've asked some of those questions out of curiosity because i like knowing But the majority of those were like, I just need data because I need to know what this void is going to be and I need to know and oh no, this person 
got their first offer on their first round in the first month and I'm in month three. It's and, like a uh, form of psychological self-harm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yes. it's like the, you know, publishing equivalent of looking at pictures of your ex and their new partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's never going to end well. It's you don't really want to know, good. but you really need to know. Yeah. Because you just need to know. I know you're curious, but <laughs> what if we just didn't, what if we put them on no view? We don't view them. <laughs> so this is hard because at least for me, I didn't know anything about submission. People talk about it less. There's advice that's out there to purposely talk about it less so that it doesn't look bad Which to editors. Which the loneliness. Yeah. Horsemen. Yeah. So the, the idea for those who aren't familiar is that if you talk publicly about sub, that editors could hear about it and know that they're not in your sub list. So if they're on your second or third round, they know they weren't a first choice and they know other people have passed, which makes them less likely to take your book seriously. That is the fear. Um, so it silences authors and, you know, it's a business. So I understand that. Yep. So then authors gather in DMs and there's like little submission groups and they can be wonderful because sometimes you do need practical advice. It really came in handy for me mm-hmm. when I needed practical advice, mm-hmm. but it can also be hell, total yes. hell. And it's no one's fault. It's not even bad actors. It's just no. by nature of seeing it happen for other people. Yes. You see, you start to see... Uh, I haven't seen this, well, I've seen a little bit of this for other people, is you start to see how quickly offers roll in and you get to see the numbers because now we're assigning value, new dollar values, dollar values are being attached at this Ugh. point. So I don't want to focus too hard on the money. I don't know if you do, but like, it's an, igno- we have to acknowledge it. We have it, to acknowledge it. Do- and it matters in a way that you, until it happens, you've never experienced, like until, because in querying, Yes, you can count how many offers someone gets, but that's really contingent on how many people they submit to. And yep. uh, there's a lot of factors there. Who's open at that time, et cetera, et cetera. For sub, it's dollars. It's dollars and number of books and uh, seasons. Your, and yes. And it's it's all going to be public knowledge. They are going to print it in a place that everybody looks and you are going to share it with the world. And it will say in code, was this book zero to twenty five thousand dollars, twenty five to fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand to one hundred thousand dollars, one hundred thousand to two hundred forty nine 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 nine, two hundred fifty to five hundred, five hundred to a million, a million plus. <laughs> Look at you! Oh, I've read them. I know them. I know the I'm code really now. Impressed. You just Good rattled deal, those bitches K. off. Canada two forty nine. Yeah, it's a it's a code. Or sometimes they it, it, like explicitly tell you how much it is. Right. But it's very public and it's hard. It can really steal the joy out of a wonderful thing that yes. you're doing. Like putting your book out there for editors to read is so cool. It is yes. really so yes. cool to be at the which is, I Which is where I think we can't let dollars equal actual value. Like emotional value art value it cannot represent that it is a dollar number it does not show how good or wonderful your book is or how many readers will read like will love it how much somebody needs that book right now it does not equal that and I think that's a really good way to kind of combat that is just because my book received x amount of dollars does not make it better or worse than book that received X number. Totally agreed. And I've seen it happen. Uh, Even my debut season was useful in that because I had people, um, you know, I've told you this, but I have a friend who we queried at the same time. She, we started querying at the same time. She signed 
with her agent within 24 hours or got her agent offer in 24 hours. We went on submission two days apart. Uh, she had a, you know, half a million dollar preempt within 24 hours. We ended up at the same publisher, different imprints, same publisher. Oh my gosh. Um, and she was the lead title. And so the, you know, she had publicity and marketing that I never saw. Um, yeah. And that then we both never saw because of the strike. But that's neither here nor there. There's so many right. things that are outside of your control. And there was someone, same idea, someone else like in our circle who was a smaller deal than Ravel's, who ended up selling more books than either of us so far. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a like perfect example of how n- the points don't matter. The points don't <laughs> it's matter. It's all made up and the points don't matter. No, and publishing is guessing too, which is really depressing and we'll get to it. But like, yeah. one, you know, this person wasn't getting the one thing about the more dollars you have, the more it feels like the publisher is going to market your book. Like that's yeah. part of the anxiety. It's not just like, it's not just I want to make money, but it's I want them to actually really work hard to get this book in readers' yeah. hands. And the more money they show you, the more it seems like they'll follow through. Exactly. And, and I think that's a hard publishing truth. It's a hard truth. The, yeah. But the other part of that is if a book starts creating buzz on its own, which is what happened to this other author, they started throwing that marketing at them um, mm-hmm. a little last mm-hmm. minute. And, not you know, I think most of it was just author-driven in a very cool way just because it was a, a book that hit. It was a big idea that felt good to people. Uh, and it was very cool to see. Yeah. So the points are made up. Nothing matters. But also it does and it's scary. But also it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I have this like small nugget and I don't know where to fit this in, Mm -hmm. but I I really liked it. And I don't know. For comparison, I don't think it quite fits here. Maybe we can find a way to make it fit. But this is my favorite thing that I've taken away from comparison, how to kind of deal with comparison and battle it down at any stage of the game. Because we're going to have those sad feelings and we're going to have those angry feelings and we're going to have those jealous feelings, use comparison as a barometer, like an internal barometer. So... When you have those bad feelings, those negative feelings, right? Those I'm sad, I'm angry, whatever. Look at the situation and say, what does this have that I am lacking? And how can I get it? Mm-hmm. Tell and me I more. think, okay, so instead of it being like somebody gets a six-figure book deal, mm-hmm. that's not something you can get right now. Like you have no control over that. So look for the note beneath the note. Yeah. What got them to that six-figure book deal? That's a big idea. Let me study it, their big idea. And it is. It's always a big idea, which is why we need Emily yes. Taylor. We will beg her. But this, like, the friend I'm referring yes. to, once I heard her book idea, I was like, oh, fuck, that's amazing. Good yes. for her. That's going to do really well. And she had the yes. writing chops to back it up. And that's what happened. It, you yes. know, agents noticed it right away. Editors noticed it right away. Uh, and eventually it got in readers' hands and they'll do with it what they will. Mm-hmm. Then the other person who didn't have the money behind it, it was a sneaky big idea. Publishing didn't realize it was a big idea, but exactly. readers were like, what? Cottagecore romance in a fantasy world? Give me more. <laughs> yes. I need more, please. Nom, <laughs> yeah. nom, nom. Exactly. Yes. So I think that's when we say this, like, use this emotional barometer. It's yes, finding like the that. thing. So. You know, how did this per if it's in the drafting phase and it's like that person's already querying, well, look and see. Their journey's different than yours, but are they sitting down to write consistently each week? 
Or are you taking some, you know, not calling anybody out in this what can you podcast, learn? Yeah. but are you taking a nap every day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would a do that. A nappy nap? A little nap Are you nap taking every a nap day? every day, Anna? Uh, no, not every day. Okay. <laughs> but I nap pretty hard on the weekends. Okay. Um, but like, look at your, you know, that's, it's a good way to say, how can I take this thing that I am struggling with and turn this into armor? Mm-hmm. And what can I take? What is the good that I can take away from this that I can then use and model? And what suits me right now and what doesn't suit me right now? It's, that's amazing because it's a, it's a treatment for anxiety and OCD, like what you're describing, but just applying it to publishing. Yeah. Like a big thing with, Aww. yeah, anxiety and OCD. There's like a treatment modality that is notice and don't quite challenge it right away like when it's hurting yeah. you know so when I'm um, applying it to what you said but like if you're noticing that you're comparing and you're envious and you're jealous and it hurts and you're bitter and like it doesn't feel good because that's not who you are at your core you root for your friends yeah you root for people who have nothing to do with you that's fine so just notice it okay I'm feeling this I'm feeling this pretty strongly what is this telling me about myself right now yeah. It's telling me I want this really badly. And this is a yes. defense mechanism because I really fucking want this. I want to yeah. make it. I want readers to read this and love this. And what can I learn from it? Once we took the sting out of it, which hopefully that little bit of distance can do by letting the right. feeling do what it's there to do, which is to signal how important this is to you. Exactly. And then what do we learn from this? Well, we learn big ideas sell. And you know what? A big part of this is up to readers. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, divine rivals in a nutshell. Bingo. Every time you talk about it, that's readers. I think about the journey that Divine Rivals has Mm -hmm. been on. Hmm. I think that, yeah. No, that's a hard truth. That's a hard truth about I'm just going to throw in a harder truth. Throw in a harder truth. All right. Is it the one I think it is? Is this not all agents are created equal? Yeah. Yeah. Not all agents are created equal. So that's just a buzzy way to say this. That's not exactly. They're all created, whatever you mean by that, equal. But here's a really tough thing. And this is important to keep in mind while you're querying. All of this, we talk about these various phases, phases and the idea isn't like, don't just fast forward to or rewind to the phase you're at because you can learn from this. Yes. When you're on submission and when there's – this breaks my heart. I've had friends who have wonderful books, big ideas, whatever it is, who simply are not getting read. And yep. it feels very personal and it's easy. Again, the data mind wants to say, well, I've been on submission for a year and that person sold in a month. So therefore, their book is better than mine. Yes. But here's the hard truth about the business side of publishing. Some agents have stronger reputations and stronger ties and more experience with some certain editors in whatever genre you write. Yes. And they are better equipped to have their clients read right yes. away. Yes. Um, you know, if an agent has three books with the same editor right mm-hmm. now, they're probably on the phone with them once a week right now. Exactly. They're, they talk to them all the time. They get lunch all the time. They're colleagues, they're buddies, they're casual, and they know each other's tastes well. So it is very easy for them to call and hand sell a book. And this is like, I didn't even know this was a thing until like I watched it happen. But like, you know, my agent called and had phone calls and got full requests completely based on phone calls. Wow. Because she represents YA fantasy quite Uh strongly and other things. But that like when I signed with her, that was her thing. Yeah. And so she had a list and her list wasn't these are the best editors. 
for what you no. write. Her list was, these are the ones I know best. <laughs> yes. These are the ones I know best. These are the ones that I know will probably click with right. this. And to be frank, there are agents who have more connections than than she does. Yes. Uh, yes. And there are agents who have such a name, brand name, who represent such, you know, if like, if you're like Lee Bardugo's agent, yeah, people read you right away. Exactly. They pick up the phone when she calls. Uh-huh. And... The point of this isn't to be depressing, like, oh, my, no. my agent's this, my agent's that. And the point of this isn't to shit on agents who are just getting started or haven't had their exactly first sale. Exactly not, no. Uh, the point is just to say, when you're looking at the data, keep in mind that there is a variable here of experience and reputation and skill that has nothing to do with how good your book is. And I think this is where we turn this into armor and into a tool, you can look, so somebody listening to this might be like, well, then I'm going to go for Lee Bardugo's agent. <laughs> Here's the thing. She's content. She's got a list and she's probably, that agent is probably very content with that list. Very, and it's probably not very open good. or not reading queries yes. unless there's a nudge, which is exactly. a strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A nudge or somebody passes them a book or mm-hmm. whatever. That's That's how this works is those top agents have a very tight list. I'm glad you mentioned this. Yeah. Right? So then that's not that's not what we do with that. There is merit in going for age, newer agents mm-hmm. at very reputable agencies. Yep. There is merit in going for a big name agent at a new agency. There is merit in finding somebody. When I queried Mike, um, they were pretty fresh as an agent. They that's had right. only sold one book. And now they are like, Selling, really selling, selling. They are selling, <laughs> selling, selling, selling. And that was clear. They they treated you with professionalism. They sold to you. They convinced you to sign with them. Like yes. there was a skill there. And there's so much the way that Mike has approached submission. It's like it blows my mind with the way that yeah. their agency does it too. Yes. Uh, it's a great example of there. There have been several rising stars like very quickly in agenting who went from mm-hmm. zero deals to a dozen deals very quickly because there is yes. a skill to what they do. Yes. But I have people I love who have agents that I don't think are amazing. Uh, yes. And that I actually don't think treat them with respect and don't answer to yes. timely matter and don't edit to the extent that I think they deserve or want. Yes. Uh, and don't get read quickly. And that matters. Yes. And that matters. Don't get read at all. And then close Mm -hmm. out and the author is left feeling like it's their fault. And I feel like that's, again, one of those things that you can use that mindfulness to say, I'm feeling badly about my relationship with my agent. Look and see why. Mm -hmm. And that's something that tells you you deserve more. Go get it. Mm -hmm. You deserve something better. Go get it. Go get it. Because, again, we're not measuring. Don't people fear that then they'll get, you know, pushed back and they'll be harder again. And certainly there are people who leave their agent and then struggle. But I think for the most part, like there's, there's to some extent, once you figure it out and you get your foot in that door, that there's something to it. It's yes. easier to keep going when you've had your foot in that door before. Yes. Because you've, the skills and the knowledge you've gained up until that point are not gone. Mm-hmm. Just because you made it with one book does not mean all of that is suddenly flushed down the toilet and worth nothing. You have the skills and the talent to write another book to go get somebody who deserves your work. And no and agent deserve. is better than a bad fit of an agent. Amen. <laughs> Anna danced that out. <laughs> I did. I vogued the shit out of that moment. So that's my real hard truth uh, 
for submission. Yeah. I hate saying it out loud. It makes me sound like an asshole, but I do think it needs to be said. Hopefully I don't get canceled. No, it's the first time. Eh, Whatever. (laughs) If that's, if that's the canceling point, I don't know what facts are. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could probably cluster debuts and beyond a bit together because I think it happens with every book every season, but it's hardest probably the first time. Maybe not. Yeah. I've only done it the first time. So somebody, somebody talked to us because now that we're out of submission, (laughs) somebody talked to us about debuting. Congrats. You have beat the horseman in your big idea, in your brainstorming, in querying. In submission, your Slay. head is on street. Knocked him down. You are feeling good. Your dreams have come true. You have a book coming Aww. out. You are amazing. You are not Ooh. comparing. You have a circle of people you trust. You are not lonely. So good. You know you deserve to be there. You know deserve. you've put in the hard work. And then, boom! <laughs> <laughs> the horsemen are back. <laughs> Stabbed you through the cinematic heart. episode we have ever released, and it's gonna be my favorite. It come, they come back when you least expect it, which is why. And I will say, from my experience at least, if you learn to defeat them in the trenches, it will help you later. Because now I can sense, I hear when they're coming, I see when I'm starting to get that icky feeling when I'm not as happy for my friends You're as like I want to be. The old gif of the like groundhog or whatever. It's like. Uh, Da, da, da. Like, you know the gif I'm talking about? Yes, you are that. I'll add to the substacks of people that are talking about. When you hug. hear the three horsemen yeah. publishing approaching. <laughs> I'm very panicked. But now when I hear them coming, I'm much better equipped for it, but it can still happen. Um, so again, I've already mentioned having friends who are lead titles when I'm not a lead. Uh, not yet, should I say. Yeah. <laughs> There's my delusion of grandeur <laughs> for this book. I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, it's hard. There are debut groups, just like there are subgroups, just like there are querying groups, and they can be really useful sources of information. When the Harper strike happened, it was so useful to have a collection of like a dozen Harper debuts in various imprints. We could compare the information we had, the people who were still in office, like a lot happened yeah. very suddenly for months. And we had that, which was nice in our, yeah. within our debut group. Um, but it's also, oh my God, you will know m- minute to minute what a thousand people whose book is coming out the same years as yours are getting. And they're, the experience is going to, va- like, I can't even emphasize how much they're going to vary. And it can be really toxic because in the same conversation, you can have Someone with a teeny tiny independent publisher uh-huh. and a mega multi-million book deal, movie deal, lead title in the same conversation comparing like yes. apples and oranges. And Here's my $10. Here's my billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Is this normal? And like, no, these people aren't qualified to answer this because we're all on different boats. We're not in the yes. same boat. We might be in. There is no normal. <laughs> yeah. We might be heading toward the same waterfall in this apocalypse, but <laughs> we're oh. in different boats. So yeah, the comparison game, I started with comparison because then boy, does that horseman yeah. grow. 
does it grow those hydra heads? People, there are people who will get more marketing than you. There are people who have marketing calls that you won't have. There are people who have publicity opportunities you won't have. There will be entire conferences that like you will want to go to and you won't be able to go to because your publisher has chosen someone else to go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is quite literally everything. There will be blog posts that you're not selected for unless you're not selected for or maybe you are selected for but you're down at the bottom and someone else is at the top and there are eight million ways till sunday to feel less than Uh uh-huh and what i did and this was good advice that i received um the good the whole good advice which is from uh susan lee author of soulmates who's an amazing human susan says often that debut year is take whatever your two worst qualities are and times them by 100. Oof. If you are anxious, Oof. you're going to be 100 times more anxious. Yeah. If you're a little bit selfish, you're going to become a full raging narcissist. Yeah. And it's true. It's really true. You can really yeah. lose yourself in pub beer. So I took a major step back. That was my solution. <laughs> I yeah. didn't participate in most of this. I knew as soon as I would feel that garbage like garbage to me, things that were unhealthy Mm -hmm. for me coming on. It felt safer to not know all of these possible opportunities that were out of my control rather than to be, you know, getting a detailed news feed of them that that would make me feel like shit. Um, I I think that's the equivalent of like celebrating your own journey, right? With comparison is you took that step back to protect your own journey and to protect the feeling that you got of having Ravel published and having this gorgeous cover and having people post about it on Instagram. Like you're having your own little you party and that is valid. It is a dream. And I want to love and savor every moment of it because it is a dream. I could get teary eyed just thinking about the fact that it actually fucking happened and it's happening. It's cool. It's so cool. It's cool. And you know, there are moments where it's easy for that jo- that joy can go suck down a drain like you've never believed. It's yeah. like, I mean, I've told Anna, I've told you this story before, but like little things like your share, when before I even announced Ravel, I got, you know, I got that offer and it was six figures and I was like, holy shit. And I was crying and giddy and da, 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 I was crying so hard. My husband thought my grandmother died. Like, <laughs> it was <laughs> like crazy tears. And then I'm telling it to a friend and I'm trying to figure out what's a good offer and da 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 and this is feeling it's six figures this feels like fucking amazing and then they casually mentioned that they had a bigger offer from the same yep. editor imprint whatever yep. and it's, it's record ha- scratch <laughs> yeah record scratch <laughs> tears mean something else now it all of a sudden feels like I'm getting am I getting lowballed do they not value this is this not going to be important to them yes uh and then I, that's when I was like, no, 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 back up, back up, Lissa. This is the dream. This doesn't uh-huh. matter. None of this matters. Oh, no. Because the, this is the horsemen and they're back and they're wearing masks. But yes. I see you, bitches. But I, I see, see you, bitches. Edward. We're cutting you down. And We're cutting cutting you down. down. And sometimes it's like, um, <laughs> what is that movie? Beautiful Mind. Is that what it is? The yes. one about schizophrenia, about the genius mathematician. Yes. A, a beautiful mind, right? Yes. And his solution to keep his creativity with his schizophrenia is to just ignore all his hallucinations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're not happening. That's what it feels like. That's the numbers aren't like. real. They can't hurt me. I just The lack look. of pub, the lack of publicity can't hurt me. I don't look and I've had to say to people I love and respect and have other deep conversations with like, 
I need to pause this. You're going into more detail than I can handle. Yeah. I don't want to know. I'm so Thank happy you. for you. I Keep can't that handle yourself. this. I'm so happy for you. It's not about you. It's not it's about, about you. me. You know my thing. You know, I get weird about this stuff. You know, I'm just protecting my joy and living in my bubble and I don't want right? to compare. I just want to root for you. So don't yes. tell me. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's, that's a very valid way to handle all of that. And I think it happens for every book after that. I don't know yet. I'm not there, but I'd imagine I can even, you know, I've talked on yeah. here about I'm slow. There are people who can pump out books quicker yeah. than me. So I'll feel that. And the imposter syndrome is certainly still there. Right. Because every deal after this deal is starting over. It's starting a new process, yep. right? Of like, exactly. okay, well, I sold again. And I think you can take, I think the the thing about this is that you're not, you're not, you're not ignoring it without learning. You've mm-hmm. learned everything you need to learn up until that point. You know that you rattled off the data of good deal, nice deal, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Very good like deal, that. significant deal, major deal. <laughs> Done. Deal. You yeah. know, you go into this equipped and well-armed and you acknowledge when it is out of your control and that is when you can step back and say, I'm done now. It's um, out of my control. Yep. Can't do it. I see you, horseman. I know you and I'm uh-huh. not letting you like put your hooves all over my pretty little book deal and my pretty little happiness we're safe inside our bubble sanctuary fuck you horsemen we made it (laughs) we made it we made it to joy and this is the hard truth i will drop about book deals and things coming out and this sort of (sighs) i know and the loneliness that comes with you know everyone's boat being different than yours i'm ready oh this is a hard one okay publishing is a business and it does yep. not owe your feelings anything. No. Sorry. Publishing's a business and it sucks. And I hate the way they do business. Right now, I feel like they just throw, they're publishing more books than ever. Yep. It feels like throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall, half cooked, uh-huh. seeing what sticks, seeing what wiggles to the yep. ground. And they don't give, a, you know, publishers don't give a book much money, publicity, marketing, attention. Until it sticks. And how Until do, it sticks. And how does it stick without money, marketing, publishing, well, attention? Yeah, exactly. If nobody knows, if nobody hears a book fall in the woods, does, does, it, get does it even exist? Oh, God, that's a really sad <laughs> analogy. I'm hurting a little bit. Well, there's data. Maybe this will make you feel better. I think there's something okay. like 91% of books. I, you know, I make up numbers. I'm going to check this. Data on this. books read. It's a high percent, 90%. Of books that are published uh, traditionally, I believe, don't get a thousand copies sold. Oh. And I have found the authors with the wherewithal to be in debut groups and to listen to podcasts like Turn Into Story. Uh, sell, I think these are the ones that tend to, we're already ahead of the curve in that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it I is think a, that's a, yeah, a daunting no, that's statistic. Valid. Yeah. It is daunting. But I think what you bring up right there is very valid. And I think that's something that can bring encouragement to anybody at any step of the process is the fact that you are here listening, not just listening to us, but like listening to writing podcasts, you're looking at writing blogs, you are studying craft, you are already a massive percentage ahead of people in the querying trenches in the submission land. You are so far ahead because so many people just like sit down at their laptop, smash out a book in two weeks and then send it to the agent's full manuscript. (laughs) Plus a little letter that says, read my book and publish it because it will make you millions. You're ahead of them already. And then you're leagues ahead of people who aren't studying craft. 
Truly, you're, and the people that you're probably comparing yourself to and associating with are also in the same like playing sphere as you. They are leagues ahead as well. Like your circle, your community, it feels rough because you're you're in it because you're trying Mm -hmm. really hard. Yes, and we love you for that. Yay! And publishing might not care about your feelings, but we do. We We do. do. Which is why we pointed out these hydra-headed horsemen of the publishing apocalypse. So that you can battle them better. Yeah. We wanted to warn you of the dangers. Yeah. Or illuminate them. Illuminate That you already know there exists. Yeah. (laughs) Illuminate the dangers that you've probably been fighting already. Yeah. So that you know what you're up against. Uh, And for me, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think for you too, the most powerful turning point in my writing journey that made all the difference in avoiding joy thieves was recognizing that at every stage in this game, people suffer. Yes. And that if I didn't learn to get this shit together, if I didn't stop comparing, if I didn't stop feeling like an imposter, if I didn't, like, figure out the loneliness, that I would have dreams come true and I would still be miserable. I would still be miserable. And this, yeah, mm -hmm. this crazy thing we're doing, this beautiful, crazy obsession we have with craft and writing is worth the suffer. And I want yes. to enjoy it. And I want you to enjoy it. Yes. Which means you got to slay those monsters. Got to go slay them. Go slay them. We showed you their weak spots. Mm-hmm. Take this sword. It's treacherous out there. <laughs> and uh, I love you. In the wise Here's... words of Olivia Rodrigo, it's brutal yeah. out here. It's brutal out here. <laughs> you know what this is? It's a little kiss on the forehead. <laughs> Do, you know kiss on... Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? It's me rubbing your head tenderly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. With a ring on. So my neck With a ring so on. <laughs> Are you sure that's tenderly rubbing my head it and is. not giving me well, a nookie? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Should we do the most rapid firecraft corner ever? Like the fastest the m- Ever? Yes. Craft corner, craft corner. My rapid craft corner is take breaks, step away from your manuscript for at least a week, if not two or three, if you can afford to do so in your schedule, so that you can reread it with fresh eyes and give yourself your own edit letter and see things more clearly. Boom! Damn! That was so rapid. Thank you. So I read this book called The Practice. It's a little blue book. I don't remember who read it, uh, wrote it. Sorry to that person. We'll put it in the newsletter. Great. We'll put it in the newsletter. But The Practice, it's full of little vignettes. And here's one of his quotes. So far and not yet are the foundation of every successful journey. So at any point in your life, any point in your journey, you can say, so far I have accomplished all of this stuff. I'm a badass. I've defeated so many of these horsemen. And then when you look to the road ahead, you don't say, oh, I'm so far. You say, not yet. Because you're going to get there. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Done. Mic and drop. this is where the end game credits roll. Because you defeated the boss. Uh. I loved you for a thousand years. <laughs> Ooh, I loved you for a thousand years. Thanks for listening to 
another episode of Turning to Story. Remember, you can get behind the scenes notes and extra information at our Substack, turningtostory.substack.com. And remember, if you like what you hear, shout about it on Instagram, rate and subscribe, and I will see you next time.